Um, if you're new, whether on campus or maybe new joining us online, I think you came on a great Sunday because today we're starting a new series called Encounter Jesus. And this series is in a group of series that are going to lead us up to Easter and past Easter. In January, we started a series called Walk with Jesus. And together, we've been walking from, with Jesus to learn from Jesus. Uh, what does it really mean for us to be his followers. And uh, some of you may not be Christ followers yet. And if so, I challenged you in January, just stick with us throughout this series. Like follow us all the way up to Easter and just learn what it means for us to become one of Jesus' disciples. And then last week, we finished a series called Learn from Jesus. And together, we were learning the core teachings of Christianity. As Jesus began his earthly ministry, the first two things that he started to say were, you need to repent of your sins, which is turn from your sin and believe in me. So that was his first two things that he told people. Then he went on to explain the great commandment. The great commandment is love God and love people. Then he went on from that to explain the great commission or the great mission that God has given everybody. And that's to go everywhere, everywhere, telling everybody about Jesus. And then last week, we learned together that Jesus said, if you're going to be my followers, you've got to live different. You can't just live any way you want. You can't do anything that the world does and just live, live how they live. You've got to live the way that God desires. You got to do what God wants, follow his dreams, his plans for you, not so much ours. So again, if we're going to follow Jesus, it means we have to learn to live different. So today, we're starting our Encounter series. And just like you saw in that opening video, in Jesus' day, there were thousands of people who encountered Jesus. But only a few of them ever really interacted with him in a life-changing way. There were a whole bunch of people that interacted with him, but only a few were really changed by an encounter that they had with him. So we're going to explore together five encounters that people had with Jesus. We're going to look at two of them today. We'll look at three of them over the next few weeks together. And as a part of this series, we have some conversational t-shirts for you. So this shirt right here says Encounter Jesus on it. It is a t-shirt that we're making available in our lobby area at our t-shirt table. I encourage you to buy one of those and wear it in our community and look for opportunities to have conversations with people and opportunities to share how you've had an encounter with Jesus, how other people can have an an encounter with Jesus as well. And if somebody's looking closely at your shirt and they say, what's encounter Jess mean? (laughs) Tell them to look closer, okay? So it's not about encountering Jess, it's about encountering Jesus, and we want them to have that deeper interaction with him. So hopefully you'll grab one of those. Now today, as we explore these two different encounters, we're going to see that there are two very different people who interact with Jesus, and their stories are wrapped up in the same story. So as we walk through this intertwined story, I encourage you to pay very close attention to Jesus and how he treats these people. We have this habit in our world of interacting with people differently based on their status in the world around us. So if somebody has a higher status, often we treat them like they're super special, super important. And if somebody in our mind is of less status, we treat them less important. Jesus doesn't do that. The reason is because in 
God's mind, everyone has the same status and has the same importance. So watch how Jesus treats the main characters of the story that we're going to learn today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5. If you want to follow along in your Bible or if you want to follow along in your Bible app, if you don't have a paperback Bible and you would like a physical copy of a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of each seating section. We make available to you each week. They're free. So, so take one, take as many as you need, um, use them, hand them out to people who might need them. If you're watching online and if you would like a copy of the Bible, just email us at info at and we will mail you a copy of that Bible. Now, if you're, you're looking for a Bible app to download on your phone, I encourage you to, to look up the YouVersion Bible app. It's spelled Y-O-U version. And then when you download that, look up the New Living Translation of the Bible. That's the version of the Bible that I recommend you start using as you're reading the Bible if you're new to the Bible because of its reader friendliness. And there's other great versions out there, but that's a great version to get started with. Okay, Mark, also known as John Mark, an early follower of Jesus, he tells us in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, that Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. So that's something that happened to Jesus often, was there were consistently large crowds of people gathering around him because of his miracles, because of the healing that he, he did, because of what he was teaching it was so radically different that there were hundreds of people, if not thousands of people that wanted to be around Jesus and learn from him. And the, the same thing is happening in this moment. And this is after a trip that he had taken his disciples on to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So he went to the other side. He healed a demon-possessed man. That man had an encounter with Jesus. He was radically changed after that moment. He said, Jesus, can I, can I come with you? Can I come be one of your disciples? And Jesus says, hey, I want you to stay here. I want you to tell everybody what, what I have done for you. So he went around his communities at that point, and he told everybody about Jesus. So then Jesus heads back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 22, it says this. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. So the first person who desperately needs an encounter with Jesus is Jairus. He's a religious leader. So in that culture, in that day, uh, he had status. Uh, he had possession. He had position. He had power. And so he kind of had like everything that, that we might want in our world, minus the title of religious leader. I don't know a whole lot of people say, hey, I want to be a re religious leader. If you do, I encourage you, um, next time you're at work or next time uh, you're out in the community and somebody says, hey, uh, what do you do for a living? Tell them you're a pastor and see how weird the conversation gets right away. <laughs> people start explaining like, oh, I haven't been to church in a long time. I'm really sorry about that. Or they back away from you because they're not quite sure what to do with you as a religious leader. So, so Jairus had a lot of stuff that, that we would want in our world, except he's in a desperate spot. His daughter's dying, and he needs something to, to happen for her. 
So I'm assuming he's tried all the local doctors. I'm assuming he's tried all the latest medical treatment that there was available to, to them in that day. And I'm assuming he's been told there's nothing more we can do. If something supernatural doesn't happen for your daughter, she's going to die. So that's where we're assuming that, that he's at that spot. I'm also assuming that he's not only desperate, but he's hopeful. So he's desperate, but he's found Jesus. So he's hopeful. Jesus is coming with him now. So he's hopeful that Jesus is going to come and heal his daughter. So he's got a mixture of those emotions going on. But Jairus's encounter is about to be interrupted by someone else who needs an encounter with Jesus. And verse 25 introduces us to her. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So this is the second person who needs an encounter with Jesus, and we don't even know her name. Um, what we do know about her is she's very different than Jairus. So Jairus is a somebody. She's a nobody. He's wealthy, has lots of stuff. She's poor. She really has nothing. And so they're very different, but they share a common need. They need Jesus. They need to be radically transformed by him. They need a deep encounter with him. Again, Mark doesn't tell us this woman's name, but he does tell us that she suffered 12 years with constant bleeding. She's gone from doctor to doctor to doctor, uh, hoping that a new doctor would be able to help her, a new treatment would work, and she's gotten worse. And the reality is there's probably someone here today on campus or someone watching online, and you know exactly what that's like. You've gone from doctor to doctor looking for help, and you've not gotten the help that you need. You've tried treatment after treatment, and nothing has worked. And you've been in this spot of, of kind of desperation that you don't know what's wrong with you. And nobody else has been able to figure it out either. So that's the spot that this woman was in. She was in a desperate spot, desperately needing Jesus to do something. Again, she'd suffered for 12 years. She never wakes up feeling good. She never has the energy to face the challenges of the day, and there, there were always challenges for her. She spent everything she had, and now she's broke. And her condition in her culture would make her unclean. So what that meant for her is that she could not be around anybody who was considered clean. She had to live outside of that community with a community of unclean people. And she had been in that community again for 12 years. That means she couldn't go to church. She couldn't go to parties. She couldn't touch her kids. She couldn't touch her husband. She couldn't get a hug on those bad days when, when she didn't know if there was any hope for her. So just imagine a situation like that. And then imagine this. In that culture, there was this thought that if you were sick or something was wrong with you, that you had sinned in some way, and this was God's punishment for you. Like imagine carrying that stigma around. And then on top of that, as she walked through her community, she had to announce that she was unclean. So if she came close to anybody who was clean in their culture, she had to announce, stay away, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Like, can you imagine if that's how you had to navigate uh, the complexities of your life, going to work, 
shopping, interacting with anybody, anywhere, just imagine what that would be like. That, that's the situation this woman is in. Again, she's desperate, and I'm sure she is completely lonely. Verse 27 says, she had heard about Jesus. So she tried everything there was to try, and she heard about Jesus. So nothing that she tried worked. Like none of that stuff had worked. And now after trying all of that stuff, now she's broke. Now she's open to Jesus. She's open to something that maybe he can do for her. And, and maybe that's where some of you are. Maybe you've tried everything else and nothing has worked. It's interesting when we get to those spots and nothing else has worked, we're often open to new things that might Work And sometimes we're even open to things we would never be open to before, just like, like maybe some of you might be open to Jesus. Maybe you've never thought about Jesus before. Maybe you've, you've never thought about trying to have a relationship with him or what that could look like in your life. And maybe if you're in a spot of desperation, maybe you're open to even Jesus. If you're in that spot, you're actually in a good spot because when Jesus is all we have, we got a good thing in him and a relationship with him. So if you're in a desperate spot, you've tried it all, you're actually in a good spot. Jesus wants to encounter you. Verse 27 continues. It says, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Verse 29 says, and immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, hey, who touched me? Who touched my robe? And his disciples said, like, look at this crowd pressing around you, Jesus. How can you ask who touched me? Everybody's touching you right now, Jesus. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. So just imagine what she must have been thinking and feeling in that moment. She shouldn't have been there, but she was. She shouldn't have touched Jesus as a religious leader, but she did. And all she wanted to do was touch Jesus and then shrink back in the crowd and have nobody notice that she was there. But Jesus wouldn't let that happen. And now she's been caught. And now she's in trouble. Jesus is about to make what she thought was just her own little secret something very public. And again, it was illegal for her to be there in that moment. It was illegal for her to touch anybody else. Imagine all the people that she touched when she tried to work her way through the crowd to get up and touch Jesus. Imagine what they're all thinking after they find out her story, that she's an unclean woman. So here she is standing in front of Jesus with a crowd of people around them. She falls to her knees, and she's trembling in fear. And she's about to tell Jesus what's happened. The English standard version of the Bible translates verse, I think it's 33, translates verse 33 like this. It says, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You know, I wonder what the whole truth was for her 
in that moment. I wonder what she shared in that moment with Jesus and before everybody else. I wonder if she said, Jesus, it's been 12 years 12 long years. I've gone from doctor to doctor, from specialist to specialist, tried treatment after treatment. Nothing has worked. I've tried it all, Jesus. And now I'm broke. Like I have nothing left. I wonder if she talked about the 12 years of treatment that she got from other people. When other people would call her unclean and where she had to announce to everybody around her that she was unclean and and how she felt as she interacted with other people. I wonder if she talked about the years that she was not able to be touched by anyone and how lonely she became. I wonder if she talked about her faith struggles. I wonder if she talked about those moments where she was thinking like, I just thought I was gonna give up on God. I thought there was nothing left for me and God wasn't helping, so, so I was just gonna have to turn away from him. I wonder if she talked about the moments that she possibly thought her life would be better if she weren't here, if her life was just over. I wonder, I wonder what the whole truth meant for her. We aren't sure what the whole truth meant, but I can just see Jesus standing there letting her pour all that out. And again, put yourself in her spot. Imagine what she must be thinking. The more she shares, the more trouble she gets in. And Jesus just lets her pour it out. I think he did that because sometimes it can be so healing to just pour out the whole truth. The truth about what's happened to us. The truth about maybe what we've done to ourselves the truth about how we've responded, how we've reacted, about how we're feeling emotionally, mentally, spiritually, about how we're doing relationally with other people. I think sometimes it can be so healing for us to just tell the whole truth. So I wonder for you, if Jesus were to ask you what the whole truth is about your life right now, what would you say? What would you say if Jesus said, like, hey, what's the whole truth? What's the whole truth about your situation that you're, you're walking through? Are, are you angry at God? Have you been tempted to walk away from God because he hasn't been responding in the time frame that you want him to? Have you been tempted to say, you know what, I was curious about a relationship with God, but if this is how a relationship with you is going to interact, like, I don't really want a relationship with you. You've been tempted not to step closer towards God. Like, what's the whole truth about your situation? I think that can be the beginning of the healing process if we're honest with ourselves and if we're honest with God. I think the healing power of telling the whole truth is why Jesus wouldn't let this woman shrink back in the crowd. He knew that telling the truth would help to heal her in ways that just physical healing wouldn't do. I think Jesus wanted to heal her emotionally and spiritually and mentally. And I think that's why he created this super awkward moment for her to just pour out the whole truth. And I think Jesus created that moment not just for her, but for other people in the crowd who needed their own encounter with him. After Jesus, after she told Jesus the whole truth, Jesus said to her in verse 34, He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. This word here, daughter, is a term of endearment. I wonder when the last time anybody called her daughter. 
For 12 years, she'd been called all kinds of things, all kinds of horrible things. But I wonder when the last time anybody said, your daughter, you're valuable, you're, you're worth having an encounter with, you're, you're special, you're someone special and important. And so after 12 years of suffering and pain, her suffering is over. Imagine how that would radically transform her life. There's a, a painting about this encounter in a church in Israel in a little town called Magdala. And here's a picture of that. I've had the privilege of, of being in this church, seeing this painting, which is appropriately called The Encounter. And the really cool thing about how they set up this room where this picture is, is they found some first century pavement stones and they put them as the floor of this room. So when you're standing in this room looking at this picture, you possibly could be standing on the stones that Jesus was standing on when he healed this woman. It's just an amazing room. I mean, I could have sat there all day staring at this picture and the implications of this story and what it meant for her before, what it meant for her after. And, and as I look at this picture, it reminds me that, that Jesus doesn't just heal back then. Jesus still heals today. Jesus still wants to have radical, life-changing encounters with us. So if you ever get a chance to go see that picture in person, I recommend you do that. Now, anybody remember the first person who was supposed to have the encounter with Jesus? Jairus, Jairus right? Um, he's a religious leader. He got to Jesus first. Um, he's somebody, and I'm wondering what he's thinking in that moment. You know, here he is. He's, he's desperate for, for Jesus to work in his daughter's life. He's a somebody, and she, she's a nobody. We don't even know her name. And I wonder again what he's feeling in that moment as Jesus pauses to interact with her. And, and that's what's so cool about Jesus and watching Jesus interact with people. With Jesus, nobody's a nobody. Everybody's a somebody. Everybody's somebody special and important and valuable. Everybody is. Not just certain people, but all people. So the reality is you will never see another person in your entire life that isn't super important to God. They may not be important to you, but they are certainly important to God. That's why Jesus left heaven to die for them. Everybody, Jesus did that for everybody because everybody is important. For some of you, you need to know that to God, you are valuable. You are someone special. You are someone important. Like, maybe you've never thought of that before. Maybe you would push back mentally and say, you know what, like, I don't know that I can believe that. Like, I, I'm not really a religious person. I haven't been to church enough in my life or in church at all. Like, like I don't know that, that I'm all that special to God. But the reality is you are. You're very special to God. You're so special, he would have left the splendor of heaven to come to earth to die so you can live if it was just for you. If you were the only person to put your faith and trust in him, he would have done that for you. You are that valuable. You are that important. I don't know if you feel that way, but it's the truth. 
Guess what? The person sitting next to you, they're just as valuable and important as well. So what I encourage you to do right now, it might be kind of weird, just turn to the person next to you and tell them you are someone special to God. Go ahead. Okay, everybody, that was just one sentence. Okay, it wasn't a conversation. One sentence, that's all I asked. All right, now, here's the second thing I ask. Turn to the other person, your second choice that you didn't turn to first, and tell them they're just as special to God. All right, go ahead and tell them that. All right, again, it wasn't another conversation. It was just one more sentence. All right, thank you for doing that. Mark chapter 5, verse 35 gives us some bad news for Jairus. It says, while Jesus was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Just imagine what would be going through his mind in that moment. Just imagine, like, like he's uh, desperate, but he's hopeful. So he's found Jesus, and he says, Jesus, come on, like, my daughter, she needs you. And so Jesus starts coming, and then Jesus stops. What? Because some no-name woman uh, who's had this issue for 12 years stops him. And he stops to have this encounter with her. And I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if, he, if he's thinking this, but if I were him, I'd be thinking like, Jesus, why would you do that? She's had this issue for 12 years. She can have it for 12 more minutes. She can have it for 12 more days. She can have it for 12 more months or 12 more years. I don't care, but you can help her later. My daughter's dying now. Like, I need your help now. Like, I, I wonder what he's thinking and like, he might be thinking, it's too late, Jesus. It's too late. The cool thing about God, it's never too late. There's no such thing as that statement. It's never too late. Verse 36 says, but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. He said to her, Talithakum which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Like, do you think? Do you think they would be? Like, shocked beyond belief. And then verse 43 says, Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. Do you think they obeyed Jesus? Like, do you think they went out and said, like, oh, can't tell anybody what happened here? Like, I think Jairus busted out of his house and went to tell everyone, and I think he went to tell everyone the whole truth. I don't think he just talked about his daughter. 
I think he talked about the encounter with this other woman. I think he told the whole story. And I think he said, like, like, like this, and this was crazy. Like, my daughter was, was dying. She wasn't doing well. I, I needed help. I tried everything. I couldn't get the help that I needed. I found Jesus, and I asked him to come. And then he stopped to help this homeless woman. She had a bleeding issue for 12 years. He could have come to help me first and, and then go help her, but he stopped to help her. He showed her how valuable that she is. He healed her, and then my daughter died. And when my daughter died, like I was so frustrated. I was so angry at Jesus that he would do that. And then he came, and I had an encounter that radically transformed my life. My daughter's alive again. I think he went out and told the whole truth. Why? Because there's something healing and powerful about telling the whole truth about our lives, the whole truth about the situations that we are in. So again, let me ask you this. What's the whole truth about your situation? What's the whole truth about your health? What's the whole truth about your marriage? What's the whole truth about your past? What's the whole truth about your present? What's the whole truth about your attitude, about the condition of your faith? What's the whole truth? There's something powerful about telling the whole truth. Now, here's what I encourage you to do before you leave. I encourage you to pick up a copy of our Spiritual Growth Challenge in, in the lobby. If you're watching online, there's a link in the comment section. If you're new with us, uh, our Spiritual Growth Challenge is a one-page document we make available each week. It has a Bible reading plan. It has some suggestions for things that you can do to kind of grow your faith and what we're talking about on Sundays. And I encourage you to pick that up and read this story found in Mark chapter 5 every day this week. So, so read it over and over and over again. Ask God to teach you, what would this really mean for this woman? What would this really mean for this religious leader? Like, just ask God to kind of pull that story apart and help you understand it from a whole new perspective as you read it over and over and over again. And as you do, just ask God to have an encounter with you. Say, God, like, I, I want a deep encounter with you as well. I need a life-changing encounter with you. So read that story over and over again. And ask God for an encounter that just might transform your life. If you need to talk with somebody today, if you need to share the whole truth or a portion of the truth, stop by our care table before you leave. We've got some amazing people there that would love to pray with you and help you in any way that we can. If you're watching online, just email us at care at theepicchurch.com and we would love to pray with you and help you as well. Now, as we close, our worship team is going to sing a, a song called Same God. It's a, it's a new song for us. It's not new that it's out, but it's a new song for us. And we're going to call on the same God who healed in the Old Testament, who healed in the New Testament. We're going to call on the same God who raised Jairus' daughter from the grave. We're going to call on the same God who healed this, this homeless, broke woman. In Mark chapter 5, we're going to call on the same God to heal today. We're going to ask him to provide healing because some of you might need healing. You might need physical healing. You might need emotional healing. You might need a, a spiritual 
healing. There might be a mental healing that that you need in your heart. I think the interesting thing about this story is I think Jesus used this physical healing need that this woman had to heal deeper things in her life. I think he leveraged her need for physical healing to heal her emotionally, mentally, relationally, and even spiritually. And I'm convinced God wants to do the same with us. So this is going to be kind of weird. But I'm going to ask those of you who need healing, whether physical, emotional, mental, relational, spiritual, if you need any kind of healing, I'm going to ask you to stand so we can close in prayer for you. So would you please stand? So I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea what you're going through personally. I'm so grateful that God does. He knows exactly what's going on in your story. He knows exactly how he can use your story in, this, in whatever you're going through to touch you in deeper ways that could not be touched minus what you're going through. And I think Jesus wants to have an encounter with you. He wants you to have an encounter with him. That encounter might happen today. It might not. It might happen tomorrow. Might happen a week from now, a year from now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what God's going to do in you or through you. But I guarantee you, God wants to do something powerful in your life. So I'm going to ask everybody else, would you stand? And let's pray together for these people. Lord, we have a lot of people here on campus and I'm sure online as well that are in need that need to encounter you in a healing way in their lives. Lord, I know that there are people here that need physical healing. Lord, I I know that there are people here that need emotional healing or mental healing, relational healing or spiritual healing. And Lord, I don't know their story, but you do. And I don't know what links they've gone to get the healing that they desire. I don't know if they've tried everything. I don't know if they've gone from doctor to doctor, from specialist to specialist. I don't know if they've spent all they have and now they're broke. But I'm sure they're desperate. Lord, when we're in desperate moments, those are great places for interacting with you. When we've tried everything else and we think, well, maybe I'll try Jesus. That's the place you want us to get to first. So Lord, I ask that you would heal. I'm grateful to know, God, that you're the same God who healed in the Old Testament. You're the same God who healed in the New Testament. You're the same God who healed in this Mark chapter five story. You're the same God and you still wanna heal today. Lord, sometimes you heal through medical means. Sometimes you heal in supernatural ways. God, often you'll leverage a physical issue to heal something much deeper in our lives. So Lord, whatever needs to be healed in this room or online, whatever needs to be healed, I pray that you would put your finger on that thing. I pray that that these people would have a radical encounter with you. 
Lord, we all need to encounter you. We all need to be radically changed by you forever. So Lord, I pray that, that these people would have that encounter. That could happen today. It could happen right now. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen a week from now. Lord, we're not sure when this could happen, but Lord, we know that you want it to happen. And you want to get us into a spot where our hearts are positioned perfectly for that encounter, just like you did in the story today. So Lord, we're grateful that we worship the same God who's here today and wants to heal. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen.